Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 61. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we'll be talking about the 2014 film, Stonehurst Asylum. <laughs> Are you unsure about whether or not it's a film? It is a film. I don't know if it's a horror film. Oh, if that's fair. It's, listen, I don't know. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix characterized it as such. We're going to talk about it, regardless of whether or not it's a horror film. It's directed mm-hmm. by Brad Anderson, who directed The Machinist, for which Christian Bale famously lost a ton of weight. I think that's what that movie's best known for. Absolutely. Uh, and Trans-Siberian and The Call. So he, like, makes movies that people know about. Um, except for this one. People don't know about this, which is no. stunning, considering the star talent. Correct. Star talent? <laughs> star, star power. Star talent celebrity soup as i like to call it it is celebrity soup uh it is loosely based on the short story the system of dr tar and professor feather by edgar Allan poe professor feather i love that i I wish that was the name of this this movie edgar Allan poe's short story is more satirical than this movie hmm I think. I don't think this movie is very satirical. No, although now that you've said that, I I recognize how this movie could have been made satirical and instead leaned into, like, serious drama. Would it include tarring and feathering if it was more satirical? Does that is that a funny way to uh, torture someone? Tarring and feathering? Them? Yeah. Um, probably not if it's happening to you, but as a, like, cultural touchpoint, probably, I think yes. so, too. And maybe it was for Poe as well. Maybe. I imagine back then it was a legitimate threat, though. That's the that's the problem. Well, this movie People were place... actually tarred and feathered, which I imagine would be very horrible. In 1899, which I believe is after Edgar Allan Poe was dead, so they just... Went totally off book. When did he die? Do we I know? I have no idea. We have an entire episode We about talked Edgar about Poe. it before. We actually talked about his death, but I don't remember what the year was. If you want to know how Edgar Allan Poe died, go listen to our episode of Extraordinary Tales. It was, like, number eight. Yeah, he died in, like, 1849. Right. Uh... Quick plot recap, I suppose, because mm-hmm. you shouldn't watch this movie, and we're no, gonna no, 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 no. Get through this. I assume fairly quickly because there's not much of substance here, folks. I disagree that there's not much of substance. It it specifically posits a very big question that I want to talk about, but I mean, plot wise, certainly it's it's not a good movie. I wouldn't recommend watching it, but it absolutely sparked a, a conversation for us. Or will it? Or and it and it will. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll agree, and there's something to talk about. Jim Sturgis is our protagonist. Mm-hmm. He is a doctor, psychiatrist Oxford. in training. They call psychiatrists alienists. I'd heard that because there's that TV show out now with called Daniel Brühl. Yeah, but I had never. But I didn't. I didn't know what an alienist was. Has nothing to do with aliens. No, unfortunately, it's, it's about uh, treating the mentally ill, which is really interesting. He goes to the titular Stonehurst Asylum on assignment because he really values like asylum doctors like he sees it as a noble yeah calling it's not a it's not a particularly like uh good form of doctoring to get into at that time like you don't make any money and nobody really like thinks that you're that good at being a doctor like there's so many other things you could do and so if you decide to become an asylum doctor it's kind of like why when when he gets there the superintendent kind of like teases him it's yeah. like oh you don't want to do surgery like this this job sucks yeah you know? <laughs> why are you here yeah um but what he quickly learns about this asylum is that 
they're doing things in a very different way than all of the different, uh, in whatever he may have learned in school. Like, at this time, of course, it's 1899. Um, it's mostly just about, like, sedating the mentally ill, right? Like, just keep them basically asleep. Yeah. Um, you know, female hysteria, all that kind of That's terrible. key here. Yeah. Key, yes, female hysteria is key. Um, and keeping people locked up basically and and as complacent as possible but what they find in this what he finds in this hospital is that um the specifically i think the doctors are um not encouraging but what word does he use the delusions of some of them he, uh basically they're doing nothing to like they're doing nothing medical them. to treat them yeah like they're kind of just letting them live their lives mhm yeah, encourage isn't the right word. I don't know what to say, though. Like, they, they allow it. Yeah, like, they allow it. They're not trying to cure them. They're not trying to be like, there's this one guy who thinks he's a horse, and they're not trying to, like, make him not think he's a horse. They're trying to just have a happy horse in, in their asylum. In stark contrast to uh, Cult of Chucky, which we just watched. Right. Oh, that's so interesting that we're, they're doing this back-to-back. Asylum movies, yeah. Um, there's actually a great line that I wrote down because um, he's showing this horse man to... The doctor is showing the horseman to to uh, Jim Sturgis, and Jim Sturgis is like, "Oh, like, aren't you gonna try to help cure him? Like, cure him of his delusion?" And the doctor says, "And make a miserable man out of a perfectly happy horse." Yes. So that's like their whole. I think that could be like emblazoned on their door. <laughs> like that's their that's their mission. Jim Sturgis's character's name is Edward Newgate. By the oh, way, yes. they call Newgate. him Newgate throughout. Newgate becomes enamored with one patient in particular. What's her name? Her name is Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, I don't know her name. This oh, isn't good. This do is I bad. know her name? I don't know any of their names. We've said already that it's Celebrity Soup. No, I know there's, there's Mickey Finn. There's oh, uh, that's true. Silas. Uh, Marner? No. <laughs> um, Lamb? Silas Lamb? Oh, that, it is a good name. That's true. Yeah, there's... Okay, Whatever. Uh, names are important. We just she has don't a name. It's a woman's name. He's enamored with Kate Beckinsale, who's really good at the piano, but she's also hysterical. Um, and she, but she seems the reason he's really enamored with her is because she seems big scare quotes sane to him. Like everybody else is like he can tell there's something off about them, but she's just playing the piano, looks perfectly happy, seems completely like lucid, lucid all the time. Um, so he's like you need to, like, get out of here. Like, what are you still doing here? Like, we could go off together and blah, 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 whatever, you know. I just looked it up. Her name is Eliza Graves. Another, like, key important name. Yes, a name. So it's just a lot of Newgate, like, just growing accustomed to this weird asylum until... Dun-dun-dun. There's a twist, which is that uh, he goes down into the boiler room where there's a bunch of people locked up. And it turns out, I believe they actually say the line... The lunatics are running the asylum. Yeah, because there was an overthrow. Yeah. Like, so the real staff riot. is locked in the basement. They're starving to they're death. They're cold. Yeah, they're, they're like cold. getting colds. Um, and all the patients are posing as staff and patients and just like living their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Kingsley, Silas Lamb being the ringleader. It's just a long time of like... Newgate trying to figure out what yeah, to do and not like, doing anything. They're like, don't tell... Don't raise the alarm. Like, don't just let us out. Because if we just, like, get let out, we will... They'll very quickly overpower us because we're sick and weak from not eating. It's like rural Scotland, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, 
I think the main doctor, the actual, the actual superintendent of the hospital tells him to like escape Mm -hmm. and go into town and get help. That's like the main goal. Um, but Newgate won't cause he's obsessed with Eliza Graves mm-hmm. and he won't leave until she says that she'll leave with him and she won't leave because one, she's scared of her husband, who's the one who put her here. And two, there's another patient who she's grown very like fond of. And she's relatively happy. Like she does get to oh, yeah. just sit and play piano and doctors don't. And chill with her friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. treat her badly because it, it turns out shock upon shocks, that the staff did treat these patients very badly. Oh, yeah. Um, This used to be just your run-of-the-mill, horrible... Electroshock therapy, a lot of physical abuse, and so... And then just, like, drugging everybody to complete stupor. They kind of just hang out for a while until New Year's. Well, yeah, what I was going to say, the only other thing that kind of happens during this time period, plot-wise, is that, you know, when we get to the hospital, we see very quickly that, like, things are actually going great. Like, I think the movie wants us to think like, oh, actually, this could this is this is a good thing for mental illness treatment is like let people live their lives and like be happy. Don't torture them. Don't torture them. And then there starts to be some things where like um, Newgate is visiting the doctors downstairs and he says something like, don't you think that they're happy? Like, don't you think everything's fine? Or no, no, it's not Newgate. It's when... Um, Silas comes down to talk to the doctor and he's like, everything's great. You guys treated us really horribly. And like, we were just trying to live our lives. And the real superintendent is like, oh really? Like, is that why you probably have no more laudanum? Because all the opium addicts went and like got and got it all. Like, don't you think that people are like, there was, there's something else he mentioned. There's a threat that they're running out of food maybe. Oh, they're running out of food. Like there, well, there's something else about like these people with mental illness are not being treated and they are getting worse in other ways. Mm-hmm. Like, there's possibly the movies trying to introduce a medium of, like, treatment is necessary, but, it, but like, the extreme treatment may not be necessary. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, can, it's, just, it's just trying to play both sides. We can revisit that later. I would like to, yes. New Year's 1900. One of the characters who's kind of the shit disturber kills another patient... In sexual aggression. Yeah. And then everything goes to hell. Yeah, because Newgate's trying to poison everybody, poison the champagne. And up to this point, he's been, like, ostensibly on their side. Yeah, he's been, like, undercover while he figures out what he's going to do do about this. Oh, and two of the doctors, the real doctors, escape at one point. And And die. And they're killed. They don't just die. <laughs> they are killed. One of them kills himself so he doesn't have to be put through it, and then the other one is killed. So it's getting darker. They turn they discover we're just gonna burn through the rest yeah, of the Yeah, I don't even yeah. really remember. They discover this whole Newgate's part. plot. Um they put him through electroshock therapy, but he escapes. There's a fire. There's a lot of action. They put the I, real superintendent through electroshock therapy. That electro- was earlier. That was way earlier. Oh, was uh, it? Yeah, before New yeah, Year's. It, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. know. Uh, people get electroshock therapy. <laughs> no, but Newgate, our protagonist, does. But he gets out with Kate Beckinsale's help. Um, there's a fire. More people die. The patient who was killed was the one that she likes. So now she's free to go with Newgate. Yeah. Um, I actually do not remember how this gets resolved. But basically, like, order is restored. Well, um, Ben Kingsley, Silas, has a deeply traumatizing flashback. Um, that basically pushes him over the edge 
um, and he has a psychotic break. So he's no longer the ringleader. No, his whole thing is that he killed soldiers in cold blood. He was a, he was he was actually a doctor, which is part of why I think his ruse works so well. Yeah. He actually is a doctor. Um, he was a, do- a, a war doctor, yeah. uh, and he walked into like a tent and saw a bunch of soldiers who were suffering and dying, and had a mental breakdown and shot all of them like to save them. He was an angel of death, and so they put him in an insane asylum and. At some point, something happens where he's, like, re-traumatized and has a psychotic break. So he and the superintendent just chill for the rest of the movie. They're, like, playing fake chess together forever. The real superintendent is, like, uh, close to comatose at this point because of the electroshock therapy. They're, like, they're both, like, non-functioning. Exactly. Um, So then they're just kind of, like... patients here... Again... At the end, I, I, so well, I can tell you what happens. Well, it also is a love story. Right. It really wants to be a love story because they have, well, the thing a, where... amidst the chaos, they, like, Kate Beckinsale and Newgate, like, have a moment of, mm-hmm. uh, I can't be with you because you're sane and I'm not. And he's like, I'm not sane. I'm madly in love with you. Which is the dumbest line with very romantic ever music. spoken. The movie really wants us to buy into this Their as, romance. like, a romance. Yeah, no. The postscript, so that we can talk about other things and just talk about this movie. Uh, a doctor from Oxford who we had seen in the opening of the movie, um, which is not really important context. No, um, only for the only for this love story is it important? Also, only if you like care about protecting the reveals of this movie. Uh, shows up with Eliza Graves' husband, and they're like, "Where is she? I'm come to take her." And it's the nurse, the matron, yeah who she was a nurse she has become the superintendent yeah she was she, a real she was a real nurse yes and now she's the like the re, the real superintendent um it's like no but she was just discharged with dr newgate like last week and the doctor from oxford is like that can't be i'm dr, I'm dr. newgate Ooh. Uh, so yeah he was he was an impersonator all along he from... was an escaped mental patient yeah uh who has been like talented mr ripleying his way around <laughs> because like he's like oh he may have no yeah. like real personality like he's just a blank canvas and yeah. just takes identities yeah yeah um so then he and eliza have gone to italy and now they're the, they're the lambs which was um it's dr lamb and mrs lamb which is silas's ben kingsley's yeah. name mm-hmm. and they're in an insane asylum aren't they just in italy i don't know where they are i think they're just hanging out no because there's or maybe like there's nuns yeah, but I think they're just hanging out. I don't know. I think they're. I think they're like, let's go where they treat mentally ill people really well. For some reason, in this mountain in Tuscany. But they're posing as doctors. You're right. He is. Maybe they aren't. I don't. I don't know. It's very unclear. But that's the end. This is a romance. Um, it's a very bad one. Yeah, I think this movie's main problem, like just to dig down into it, is that it is. A lot of things about it are perfectly adequate. Like, it's filmed fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The script isn't good, but it's not as atrocious as some of the stuff we come across. Um, well, it almost feels like two different movies, because yeah. I think that all of the Asylum stuff is fine. In isolation. Again, right, and again, I think that the question that they're positing is interesting, and I'm not sure the movie comes to a conclusion on it, it does, which it is has, why... It has too much on its mind. That's what I was going to say. Well, is that, Yeah, like, but, but it's the whole chaotic. romance part, we don't need any of that. This is so unnecessary to this movie. Well, I also think what would really benefit it, not to to belabor a point that maybe not everyone agrees with, but, like, make this a horror movie? Yeah. Like, actually treat it with, like, 
horror tropes and film it like a horror movie. Like, it is kind of just a drama set in an asylum. It's like a slight thriller. Yeah, very yeah. slight. Slight, though. right? That's the thing. Like, it's like there's there's a conversation to be had about horror versus thriller that we've had on this podcast mm-hmm. before, and the way that like this is a horror movie on Netflix, but Cam, which we did a few like a month or so ago, is somehow not a horror not movie and a thriller. One. So that is makes no sense. That 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 system of genre is very. Uh, there's a lot of crossover. It's a Venn diagram in a lot of ways. But this is almost neither horror nor thriller and is so just a happens. period piece. It's just a historical drama. So little happens. And I think that if it had been treated... There are moments here where there's like tension and I think if you play it more like... Even Hitchcockian, to be honest with yeah. you. Like, you don't need more action. You don't need like... No, just tension. Slashing. Yeah. Just like add tension because there's reveals and then once there's the big twist reveal at like 40 minutes in just actually it's very early in the movie yeah that could be handled so differently because there are movies where nothing like horrific happens but because it's handled so like who are these people what are they what's their goal like there's so many ways that could be like there's people in the dungeon and make it horror but the whole right? movie but is it's just not. a slow simmer. Yeah. And it's just... And then the end, we couldn't even remember what happened because it doesn't even land with any kind yeah. of real, like, impact. We, we just watched this, and I literally... I have no idea what happens during the action sequence. It's like, they're all running around. They're, like, in several it, yeah. different rooms. I don't remember it either. Except for there's a big bonfire. They're burning all the portraits of the, like, past superintendent. The most notable thing about this movie, genuinely, is its cast. And we have mentioned a few of the names. But it is preposterous. So I would like to play a game where we go through the many members of this cast, the many famous members of this cast, Mm -hmm. and we talk about whether or not they did a good job. Because you know what? They were cast because... Of their name. Of their name. (laughs) Yeah. And all of them showed up to work, and all of them, like... Let's talk about it. Let's talk about, like, did they collect... Did they just show up and collect a paycheck, or are they actually, like, working? Uh, I'm going to go through this in order of IMDb. Cool. Not in order of how they appear in the movie, that which will become or even soon. like um, most main to yeah. least main character, Kate Beckinsale, our female lead. We have discussed her on this podcast before. <laughs> I think she's trying to do a good job, but she's not a good actress. So she's like, just not. she just is so bad, and she. That's part of the reason why this romance doesn't land at all. Is that we'll talk about Jim Sturgis I yeah. in a minute, <laughs> uh, but in reaction to him, she's just always fluttering her eyelashes and like pursing her lips. She always does that thing where her mouth is just slightly open all the time and you don't like buy into the love story at all. I was going to say this earlier, but like anytime a female character says at one point, please stop looking at me like that. You're making me uncomfortable. And then I'm supposed to buy in that. She then develops feelings for him is just like, no, Shout out to Anakin and Padme. I know, that's what it reminded me of, and I don't feel great about them either. So, like, I don't know. Just nothing of her worked for me at all. I agree. I think she's extremely lackluster. As is our lead, Jim Sturgis. He's horny all the time. He's so horny. So, I, I don't know what other people's relationship to Jim Sturgis is. I have only ever seen him, like... Two months apart, he was in Across the Universe, Across the and universe. then Twenty One. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. He had a big, he had a big year in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, but I have not even thought about him since. What else is he? Even I don't know. I'm sure he's working. Um, he is. So, I like him in Across the Universe. I'll say that he's fine. He does the same thing he does here, unfortunately, which is like he's the wide-eyed. He trembles. Like, 
Yeah. Like, tremble is, like, his main verb. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think that, like, he was in Cloud Atlas and Geostorm and other stuff. Oh, Cloud Atlas, right. Uh, I think he's bad. I think that he brings this movie down, but... I mean, it's not... It's not his fault. I don't it's not think. his fault. I, again, there's a lot that that this movie is so milk toast and boring. Yeah, so he's and a I terrible think character. That, like, he, I don't know what else he really could have done no. except like play him crazy, which would give away the twist. Correct. Right. Yes. Like give him like frantic energy, and maybe it's uh, a no. more interesting movie. We're supposed to feel like oh, it's this little like, every man noob like, from Oxford. Noob. Yeah, like he's like he's this like fresh faced little baby student. He's not supposed to be interesting. Next on IMDb is David Thewlis, who we haven't mentioned. Uh, he plays a character named Mickey Finn. Is his name actually Mickey Finn, or is that his nickname? He is credited as Mickey Finn here, right. um, which they refer to something I had forgotten about, I guess. But like to slip someone a Mickey Finn is to like roofie them, mm-hmm. um, like slip them a Mickey. Yeah. Uh, and they make they make that joke, and then it's like, haha! But really, that's exactly what he. And then did. he tries to roofie. Well, that's what he he roofied the doctors. Right. Um, I think he's, he's not doing anything. Like, David Thewlis... Oh, I think he's doing something. He's got a preposterous accent. I don't know if that's David Thewlis' actual accent, but it's very silly. He's almost, he's nigh unintelligible. Uh, Do you not feel that way about David Thewlis usually? No. As Lupin? No. Okay. He's also the earthworm in James and the Giant Peach. Love that. He's also the antagonist of Wonder Woman, and when I think terrible, of the, when I think of the movie of Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman, which I'm sure many of our listeners love, unfortunately, all I think about is the third act where David fucking Thewlis is the actor that you choose to cast in a giant CGI like flame yeah. monster battle. I think he's great. Sorry to spoil Wonder Woman. I think he's great when he's playing the like polite Englishman. It's when they're like, "Oh, he's Ares, but he has a mustache," and it's like. No, he doesn't. You're telling me that Ares just kept the same body from when he was a god on Mount Olympus to the 1940s? He's like, yeah, I'll stick with this mustache. I like that look. No, sorry. Sidebar. Yeah. Wonder Woman is also said in World War One. don't add us. Oh, did I really say World War Two? You said 1940s. Oh, is it really World War One? Yes. I don't, I don't remember that movie. Uh, that's okay. Um, you think he's like giving like a, a good performance? No, but you said he wasn't doing anything. Okay. <laughs> He's doing something. It's fine. I actually don't I don't think I wouldn't say that it's bad. It's just a lot. He lurks in the shadows a lot. I think that he is such a secondary character. I agree that he is like one of the like he pops off the screen more than most, mm-hmm. but he's barely in this movie, to be honest. He's like the the secondary antagonist, but like Yeah. I feel like we mostly see him just like sneering he's, next he's to He's sneering. He's always yeah. sneering. He's always got an evil look in his eye. The one scene I would think of is you uh, touched on it earlier, but he goes after... Is her name Millie? She's got a yeah. cute little girl name. Um, her name is Millie. Is it actually Millie? Yes. Killed it. Uh, he goes after her. He tries to kiss her. She kind of reacts like, ooh, scary. But then she actually does kiss him back. Like, she seems kind of into it. And then when she's into it, he... This is all without dialogue also. He gets this look on his face like he doesn't understand. I wasn't sure what the what the emotion was supposed to be, like anger, confusion, something. And then he just strangles her. Yeah. We don't really get why, because he also, I think, dies pretty quickly after that, possibly. Well, kind of. He gets I, a bunch of coal dumped on him, oh, and then right. he survives to yell, Don't drink the don't fucking drink the champagne! champagne. Uh, so that's all, like, he is very confusing, 
But again, I think he's doing a lot with the voice and the lurking. I just don't know if I liked it or not. Again, it's hard to say if there's a good performance in this when, like, it's such a bad script. Yeah. Next up, credited simply as The Alienist, again, starring Daniel Bruhl, mm-hmm. uh, is Brendan Gleeson. Great. Who is the Oxford doctor we mentioned. Um, he's in two scenes. <laughs> he's in two scenes. His, probably, his whole screen time is probably a f- one full minute. Yeah, he... Uh, there's no... I think this is also part of why I feel like this feels like Celebrity Soup. Because yeah. you don't need to cast Brendan Gleeson in this no, role. No, it doesn't need to be a name. Like, it feels so above and beyond to just, like... Yeah. He's good. He's like, good. He's genuinely good. Yep. Uh, it's hard to be given something as stupid as, like, the final twist of this movie, but but I'm Dr. Newcase. Yeah. Uh, he does... He actually does... It. He, he yeah. doesn't make it dramatic like we made it sound. Yeah, we're making fun of it, but, like, he, he plays it straight in an... In a way that, unfortunately, the preceding two hours didn't let me take it at face value. No. No, because he actually, it, you could play, you could overplay that so bewildered, yeah. and he doesn't. It's, it's actually a good, a good 30-second performance. Next, Silas Lamb, played by Ben Kingsley. Can I just tell you what my note says? Yes. Ben Kingsley is that bitch. <laughs> ben Kingsley is like... He gives 100%. I think he kills it. I think he kills it. I think this is... I think he's great in this role. This is a truly bonkers performance. I love it. I think it's perfect. I agree. I think that... uh, (laughs) He is what made this movie bearable for me. And I think that part of it is his natural charisma in playing this character. Mm -hmm. Because for a good portion of the movie, I was like, you know what? He's right. Basically, until he busted out electroshock therapy, I was like, he's totally right. Yep, this is the best way to run an asylum. Listen, I know someone right now in the year 2019 who's gone through like literally 14 rounds of electroshock therapy, and it's really helpful for him. So regulated, it can be, you know, a a, a positive thing. I don't buy it. Uh, Wow. (laughs) A different debate. (laughs) Um, Ben Kingsley really gives it his all. I think that we as a culture need to appreciate him more. I appreciate him. Who doesn't appreciate him? I don't know. I feel like people don't talk about the fact that he's like half Indian. Like, I think people talk about it all the time because it's the, the only, only time reason they that... talk about it is when they talk about like they want to get mad about Gandhi. And well, like, that's what oh, I'm wait, saying. Like that's why people talk about it because it's like you have to have that in context. That's why it was okay for him to play Gandhi. Anyway, he is probably one of the most cast South Asian actors of all time. Yeah, uh, and it's because he's white passing. Yes, but. Uh, yeah, he's... I really hope there's not a Me Too thing that I don't know about. But I know, moment. we're like, we love Ben Kingsley. Tomorrow the headline is Ben yeah. Kingsley, sex pest. Yeah, um, I think he's great. I think he is the he is the bread and butter of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he holds it together. He, he even plays the... like the You mentioned his like psychotic break. He plays that really well. Like, there's genuine pathos there. Yeah. I love, one of my other favorite notes I wrote down about him that's great is, like, that whole bit in the middle we were talking about. Um, Newgate is basically, like, baiting him at certain parts. Like, he knows that the doctors, the real doctors, are in the um, jail. Yeah. And... Like, it's possible that Lamb knows that Newgate knows, but they're all just kind of pretending that they don't know, whatever. They're just going through the motions. And Newgate is like, uh, so interesting, like, that you don't believe that, um, you know, insane people should be, you know, like, kept under lock and key. Don't you think that that would be terrible to do to anybody? Like, don't you think it's terrible to put people in jail for something that could be rehabilitated? Like, baiting him. And you see Ben Kingsley, like, think for a second. And then he's like, you know what? Only sadists should be in jail. Like, actually, I think that people who, 
like take joy in the torment of others, they can be in jail. And I was like, oh my God, just absolutely dunked, dunked on on Newgate. Like you are so right about everything. Speaking of sadists, uh, probably last, because this is the last super famous person on this cast list, but certainly not least, is the real superintendent of Stonehurst Asylum, the original superintendent, which is Benjamin Salt, played by Michael Caine. Benjamin Salt. The names in this are actually very good. Do you think they're Poe names? I think so. Because uh, I think that's like, they're Though they very didn't good. keep uh, Dr. Tar and Professor Feather. So. Rude. Uh, I wish that someone in this movie was named Professor Feather. Michael Caine, unfortunately, I wish that Kingsley and Caine don't get enough screen time together. I think that they... It's just the one scene that I talked yeah, about. They seem naturally like poised to be like great scene partners and like antagonists with each other. That's why that's not really But one they never scene. put them on screen together. And unfortunately, I kind of feel like Michael Caine's really phoning it in. Yeah. He honestly spends 90% of this movie... Newgate will come down the stairs and be standing in a hallway of, like, cells. And at the end cell is Michael Caine with his hands wrapped around the bars and his face, like, on top of a slat. And that's how he delivers 90% of the lines in this movie. Yeah, Like, it's not... Unlike, I think, David Thewlis, who's doing a lot, he's not doing very much. And that's just... That's script alone. But like Michael Caine, he's, he has such a uh, you know iconic voice that he barely has to do anything just to be like, you know who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think that he, more than anyone else, is just coasting on like his casting. Like he's yeah. just like stately old British, like the straight man, you yeah. know? Uh, like slightly, um, you would you would trust him if you met him, but you can also believe that he would be like a huge asshole. Yeah. There are other people in this movie, but I don't know that they need to be talked about. Nobody nearly as famous as that. So what else is there to say about Stonehurst Asylum? Well, I think there's the big question, which is, what do you think this movie is saying about the treatment of the mentally ill? If I'm being completely honest, I don't think it's saying anything. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe there was a genesis of an idea that it should uh, have a coherent like sort of like uh, perspective, but I don't think that it does in the end. I think it does. Which is what? That it's the medium. That, like, just, like, there should be authority, but that freedom and uh, choice and um, lucidity are actually valid parts of treatment, the treatment of the mentally ill. I think what you're reading as medium, I'm reading as it not taking a perspective. Because I think that what it, what it does is it... it portrays both the it portrays the sadism of 1899 asylum medicine like what is being conducted and done to these people as bad it's it's yeah. pretty um unflinching about that mm-hmm. but the fact that it it does really this movie really spins up um Silas Lamb being like a psychopath like being right. evil like it really wants us to believe it even if we want I th- I really genuinely I think don't think that, we're supposed to think he's evil because th- his reveal is a twist like we hear a bunch that he killed soldiers that he killed them in cold blood like uh Salt thinks he's a monster Salt is like oh he's a straight up evil psycho killer put him behind bars or we will all die and then when we see what he actually did i think there's sympathy there so you don't think that the movie thinks that no because when we when we see his flashback of him killing the soldiers it's not we're not 
afraid of him, we feel sorry for him. I and think this would like, be sympathetic to the mentally ill. Yeah. As, like, as patients and as people to be Absolutely. helped. I don't think that it... I don't know. I don't know that it... it, it... The reason I think it, it took a medium stance for me is that the person who's in charge at the end is the matron. She was like, she was the, she was the nurse. You get the feeling when they have all their conversations in the cells that she was never a fan of Dr. Salt's methods either. And yet Eliza Graves talks explicitly about her as being horrible to her. No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. No, she says specifically she was like the one who was good to her. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she does. Cause she's the one who asked about her. She was like, is Eliza okay? And Salt says something like, oh, she's like, She's fine. She's who, crazy. Who is she talking about when she gets so angry? When does she get angry? Eliza Graves? Yeah. At what part, what part are you talking about? She gets about? angry at, at Jim Sturgis. When, when, when he's talking about like, oh my God, there's the real doctors in the basement. She's like, yeah, I fucking know. I overthrew them. Uh, right. She gets like mad at him about something. I, I think, think I thought, I, I thought I it was about that doctor. Just salt. I thought, it was that, I thought it was that nurse. I don't think so. I think she was always very kind to them because then when she when they run into each other, like she's remember she brings her medicine. She yeah, brings her the laudanum just... to, like, help her. Yeah, okay. I sure. think that's about her. I think Maybe you're just... like, oh, she's just a really kind, gentle person who wants thought. to heal people. But again, I, I, she wasn't doing that for Salt. She didn't bring him food. She specifically brought medicine to this one lady. Convenient. My point is, I think that, like, that's the... That's what this movie is saying, is that, like, authority is needed, and people should still be trained as doctors and nurses to care for people, and that, like... Regiment, but, but regiment training, and routine are still important. The training in this movie consists of the like weird thing that Brendan Gleeson does to her to like trigger her well, like seizures. Of like, course, of course. No, There's that probably... is the establishment medicine. That is what true training gives true. you. True. There's probably at least something that's not terrible. That's like, oh, we bring your your medication at the same time every day. We should address the thing that I just said, which we didn't explain for the people who aren't going to watch this oh, movie. Oh yeah. So, um, Kate Beckinsale's. Beckinsale, whatever, Beckinsale. I can't believe uh, you just did that again. Again, I've spent my entire life thinking it's Beckinsale. It's been like two total months of my life that I knew that it's Beckinsale, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, her illness is never really addressed. They say that she's hysterical, but she has... She does have something. She has something. She has a specific trigger where it has to do with being touched. She has mm-hmm. a. Um, she's very af- afraid of being touched because if she's touched in a certain way, which makes it sound sexual, it's not really... Um, it is a little sexual with when Brendan Gleeson does it to yeah. her, but it's, it, it happens at one point when Jim Sturgis grabs her shoulders. Yeah. Um, she, like, seizes up. She has gets, like, fit, really tense yeah. and her fingers curl. Um, so she has some sort of, like, motor response to stimuli mm-hmm. that... Is that hysteria? Because that's not how it's portrayed in pop culture usually. Well, no, it, I don't, like, I don't is, get yeah. the sense that hysteria is real, ever. It's usually something else. It's usually, right. like... I mean, it's, have... not, it's not real by modern medicine, but was that what they were calling hysteria? Like they called seizures? so many things hysteria. Seizures, schizophrenia. Yes, like literally anything. That's why it never really, like, it didn't turn into something. It turned into, like, hundreds of things because it was just, like, a woman could yell at you and it's, like, hysteria. But if she was having seizures or if she was, I don't know, like, it, like schizophrenia or, like... I don't like now. I can't think of anyway, anything. But this like, movie doesn't I think, address it. What wh- she has? No, and they're treating her with heroin. So like, which is bonkers. Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> it was really scary. Again, again, to your point, 
So you're saying that like they should be supervised, they should be medicated. The medicine is fucking heroin. I didn't say medicated. I said like the routine specifically. Like if there's if there's a sense of like you have a very chaotic inner life, come live at this asylum and we will make sure that you that some element of the chaos of your life is regimented. That's a big part of like that's what we talked about in Cult of Chucky, that one of the reasons they think there's something happening in the asylum is like they've introduced a new person into their group and that can often trigger a response because routine is a big part of like the treatment of mental illness and a lot of things this era of medicine is fucking bullshit oh yeah like horrifying the nick like is it they're just like cutting shit off and just like seeing what happens like yeah, just they removing are, big parts of your brain like this seems like it worked but i think i guess that, that's why i'm resisting your perspective on like uh, a medium I think that it's like this shit that they're doing is fucked up and the man who was in charge of them like living their lives is a bad man. And so I don't know. I do think one of the reasons I'm feeling this very particular way at this very particular time is that I literally just finished a book that was kind of about this. What book? It's called Being Mortal by uh, Dr. Atul Gawande, who weirdly enough was just named CEO of um, that healthcare company that Jeff Bezos is starting. Oh. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you... <laughs> He's starting a company called Haven and he named uh, Dr. Gwande to as CEO, which like seems would seem bad to me if I heard it, but Dr. Gwande's awesome, so that kind of makes me like yeah. think that's cool. Um he wrote a book about aging and how you'd be surprised that some very modern nursing homes are very medieval. You know, like it, really keeping people under lock and key, like their freedoms are really, really restricted because you're like keeping them safe from themselves because when you are getting old and you're really prone to falls and you're prone to forgetting things and you're a danger to yourself or whatever. And there's all these nursing homes and hospice care that's like about restricting your freedom to, to keep you safe and healthy. And what they've actually learned through all this research is that um, letting people have freedom of movement and of deciding what to do with their day and having a lock on their door and all these different things while possibly not the quote unquote safest option. Actually people live longer because they're happier. And that's like, that was like, I was just, that was on my mind the entire time I was watching this movie was like, Oh, I'm very pro that. Yeah, exactly. If they're walking around in the hallways and they can feed themselves and they can have friends, yeah, they're going to be happier. And actually they're, like mental illness or physical illness will improve if they're happy. I was going to say, let's like, not conflate elder care with uh, care of the mentally ill. Well, sometimes both, there's a crossover. Both of which are terrible, like both old people and the mentally ill are mm-hmm. treated terribly, especially in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not the same thing, I would say. They're not the same thing, but there's definitely a crossover. I mean, sure. like the question sure. of medication is off is a big one in the mental illness community and it becomes a question in the aging community also. I think this movie was a waste of our time. <laughs> I know. Clearly, I just want to talk about something else. Yeah, we've, we've had a fine conversation about it, but I don't... I am personally ready to uh, dump a pile of coal on this. Yeah. Light it on fire like a big bonfire that they have in the end of this movie. Don't drink the fucking champagne. <laughs> would you like to roll the roulette? I would love to. And hopefully get something better than this? We'll see. There's got to be something better than this. Our next movie will be... Friend request? This definitely looks like a horror movie. <laughs> you looking at the poster? Yeah, I am on IMDb. Oh, good. It says evil is trending. It sure is. 
True. Sure is most of the time. Yes. All right. Uh, oh, that's that's fun. I always like a mo- a modern day like, like when we um what was the one that we watched recently? The Den. That was no two years before ago. the Den. After the Den. Mister. Mister. Oh. Look, Beholder. Mr. Beholder? Nope. No, that's not what it is, but it's something like that. He was a... he. Their phones were involved. I remember that. He was on an app. He had a scary face. He made everybody smile. Bedeviled? Bedeviled. Mr. Bedeviled? Beholder was not off. No, that was a full year ago. <laughs> Did I say recently? Yeah. Time isn't real. Uh, so our next movie will be Friend Request. Friend Request. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com and on twitter and facebook at nowscreaming liz do you have any projects you'd like to plug sure um i when i'm not watching horror movies i read books and i talk about them on my vlog on youtube it's called believe in yourself like a bookshelf like a bookshelf but also believing in your in yourself um you may have to search it twice because YouTube will try to tell you that you're trying to Google believe in yourself, but you're actually, you got to make sure you tell it that it's actually shelf. Or the vlog, you can... so nice, you got to search it twice. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great catchphrase. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. So if you search believe in yourself, you will find me and there'll be links. So check it out if you also like reading books. I talk about all kinds of books. Horror Not... books? I have talked about at least one scary book. What book did I read that was scary? I don't know, but you can tell your friends about the podcast while you leave us a review on iTunes. You should also go review Liz's vlog and leave that a review of five stars and a like. You can't do stars on YouTube, can you? No, you can't. I'm very you out of touch just... with the culture. I don't know what I don't know what the kids do these days. You can just like it. I don't know about or subscribe. The, the Tide Pods. Subscribe is the word. Subscribe, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Share, like and subscribe. Do that mm-hmm. with our podcast too, um, which I'm going to turn it back to. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Wes Craven for making horror movies, which this movie is not. <laughs> A simple one this week. Until next time, everybody, stay spooky. Stay spooky.